G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 180 of the Outback Mine podcast. Appreciate you joining in. Uh, thank you very much for the great feedback from the most recent podcast that we've done. And uh, yeah, lots of good content and, um, and uh, information coming from guys um, like Damo and um, uh, sharing their experiences on their own mental health journey and um, you know, sort of how they've managed themselves, sort of having um, you know, more of a proactive approach to their mental health now, which is tremendous and uh, moving forward and starting to be a bit more, um, I suppose, responsible, uh, which has been great and, uh, you know, some always interesting stories coming through about um, you know, proactive uh, mental health measures and prevention, uh, which is what we're all about. So uh, now today, I've got a really uh, awesome and interesting get, uh, guest, a fellow by the name of Graham Sait. I'm with me now. I'm pretty passionate about uh, gut health and mental health. And, you know, I know my diet isn't like ideal at the moment. So I know that sort of does affect me and my, my mental health in some way. But um Coming from a farming community, I know the importance of soil health and uh, the the nutrients that come from good soil and how that goes into the food. And I just think that's changed a lot, you know, over the last fifty years, uh, primarily with the way that we farm and we produce, um, you know, our our produce. So. Uh, Graham is an expert in this area and we're going to talk a lot about um, you know, his experience and uh, his journey and passion around this today and uh, hopefully be able to give you a good uh, insight on what you can do to, uh, to improve your soil health if you're growing some stuff at home uh, to be able to sort of help you physically and mentally. I think that's really important and the whole um, you know, ideology of the outback mine is to be more prehabilitative than rehabilitative. So the more prevention stuff we can do, um, the better we're going to be uh, moving forward. So really sure you're going to enjoy this chat. Uh, just want to make special mention to The Real Shift to support the podcast. They have a nine-week deep dive program coming up soon. Uh, what they basically do is take you on a, a journey through a uh, nine-week uh, period to help you overcome blockages, challenges, self-doubt, habits, anything you've got getting in your road, um, which is um, stopping you from being able to reach your potential. So Mick and Amy Stu's are really good at, uh, at this and what they do. And um, if you're looking to invest in yourself and make some changes, I really encourage you to pick up this program. It's, uh, it's about $1,000 or less. And if you uh, mention the Outback Mind, you will get a, a 10% discount. So really good investment in yourself. So it's therealshift.com. If you go to realshift.com forward slash deep dive, you'll see some information there. Uh, on the program and uh, yeah, please uh, contact them and uh, check out uh, uh, what they do and uh, get some further information. So I really appreciate that. All right, appreciate you, sir. Uh, feedback to this uh, conversation with uh, Graham and I, please email me at support at outbackmind.com.au. Check out the website outbackmind.org.au. G'day, Graham. Hi, Aaron. How are you? Very well, mate. I uh, hope you're keeping nice Good. and warm down there. No, it's very cold for the Sunshine Coast. I tell you, I've got three jerseys on at the moment. Yeah, I've got. I'm up. I'm up uh, probably 500 kilometres north of you, and I've got four. I reckon I've got a singlet, <laughs> a bloody thermal, a, a t-shirt, and a and a jumper and a beanie on as well. 
Sorry. I said, well, one of my fans is at Stanthorpe, and if you think this is cold, you want to feel it up there. It's oh. a big frost, this, big frost this morning and a bitterly cold wind. It's absolutely cuts you through to the bone. I can imagine. And just you know, reaching out to our friends down there south in Victoria and Tassie, and, and that would be pretty fresh too. So we're thinking about yeah. that. <laughs> sure is. Mate, so tell me a bit about your background. Where were you sort of raised uh, as a young fella? Yes, I originally in New Zealand, I, I was um, part of in North Island in a, an area called Taranaki. And I had a grandfather who was a dairy farmer, spent all my holidays on the farm, and he, he also had a massive uh, veggie garden, like it was like a huge veggie garden. He fed the entire neighbourhood, mm. and that sort of triggered this um, this passion that's continued to this day. I was, you know, originally I was wherever I was when I was at university and stuff, I've always had massive veggie gardens and, and fed everyone, but then it expanded out into the farming arena and about 25, 26 years ago, uh, I formed this company, Nutritech Solutions. So we mm. have five divisions, including three research farms, and we have, you know, a human health division, animal health, soil health, and an education division, mm. and a home garden division. And the education division, well, I'm involved in all of them because it's my company, but the um, education division, we've trained with almost 50,000 people globally with our one-day, two-day, four-day and five-day courses. And so, mm. yeah, a lot of teaching, a lot of educating on how you can, you know, grow with, with uh, more profit and less chemicals is the model, basically. It's, it's sort of, we call it nutrition farming. It's about minerals, microbes and humus and the interplay between those three and how you can manage them more effectively to be uh, to create, you know, food more cost effectively and with less chemical interruptions or interventions. Mm, amazing, well, mate. That's a short, short story. Oh, mate, uh, you know, look, I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of 50, but um, I've seen a huge change coming from a farming community, um, uh, you know, with the way food's produced uh, in the grain industry primarily. Like, my pop used to farm there and they used to have worms going behind uh, when they harvested to pull, you know, pull, uh, sorry, young yeah, worms. They used to have crows going behind the harvester to pull the worms out of the ground when, um, when, when, they, when they stripped it because the, 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 the soil was so fertile. But now it's just like concrete, you know, primarily. And, um, no, it's been, it's been a horrific um, what, what we've done to ourselves in the last four or five decades. But that, that earthworm story, wherever I travel, and pre-COVID I was traveling to 25, 30 countries. Yeah, but I asked the question, how many of you have got, you know, significant numbers of earthworms in your soil? And there's about one hand at 50 that rises. So, mm. you know, that's the most visible part of what's called the soil food web the earthworms <clears throat> and of course they're, they're simply not there although they're much much lower numbers and they're huge fertility bills are a massively important part of soil health yes and it becomes one of the one of the strategies is how do you bring them back and it's one of the things we always look at yeah absolutely mate uh, it's uh, it's amazing and you know we'll sort of fast track things a little bit here but uh with regards to the way that food's produced and so forth now it's got a pretty significant uh impact on our mental well-being yeah for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not just uh, it's, it's not just you know the, the lack of nutrition, and there are multiple published papers of the declining nutrition. And I mean, it goes you know if we're, if we're talking about cereal grains, it actually goes right back to the Green Revolution, and, mm -hmm. and you know the problem that the original life of pollinated grains started falling over. They started lodging. And so it, rather than looking at the root cause of that, which has been a huge problem the whole way through, is that we treat symptoms rather than addressing root causes. And in this yes. instance, 
one of the root causes of that weak stem strength was actually a copper deficiency. But rather than look at that, and we, at that point we weren't even analysing the trace minerals in our crops, uh, they, they thought, well, if they looked at the hybridising agrates, you know, let's come up with a, a shorter, uh, more compact bush uh, or, or plant that, that will be at least as productive and won't fall over so, so mm. easily. And so rather than the normal process, uh, Norman Borlake won the Nobel Prize when he probably should have kicked ass for what he did because um, what he created was actually uh, a, a mutant that uh, fast-tracked the whole normal lengthy process of hybridisation. He picked a mutant and that mutant became our primary food source in the Western world, which of course bread is. Uh, and unfortunately, the downside to that, that mutant grain uh, is that it uptakes about 50% less iron, 30% less calcium and magnesium, and low 24 um, most of the trace minerals. Well, one trace mineral, uh, it doesn't uptake particular, in fact, it barely uptakes all, and that trace mineral is called cobalt. Mm. And why that's a significance to us, particularly relative mental health, is that cobalt is the precursor of the vitamin B12. So many, many of us, B12 deficient, and there's a direct link between anxiety and depression and B12 deficiency. Yeah. But it's deficient for the simple fact that that food's not what it used to be. It's shadow of its former self. It's a bastardised version of those original rains, and that's what we fill ourselves. And then, of course, you've got the glyphosate intervention and the multiple findings that are now emerging relative to health issues and glyphosate. And we see things like um, you know, sorghum, which is in every chili, because sorghum's a primary grain that's added to chicken feed, mm. and everyone sprays off sorghum at the end of it when it's still there, obviously going to be present on the food. Mm. They they dry it out, they desiccate it with glyphosate, you know, so there's a bit of a responsibility that we probably need to address at some point, but it certainly has an impact on everything, including our mental health. Mm, no doubt, mate. Interesting, because I've uh, primarily had a plant-based diet for the last 10 years, and um yeah i reckon like i was under the b12 thing a while ago and i sort of like let it slip but probably probably a fair fair uh indication for me that my b12 would be quite low yeah it's the biggest thing part of what we do in the four and five day courses that we used to do we've sort of stopped doing it just in this last pre-covid period but we used to do um you know, a blood and hair tests, and we used to do as part of the course. And at the end, at the end of the course, you got your reports on where you were at with a whole variety of nutrients. But the one thing that I've seen over many, many years of doing that is that most vegans and vegetarians are seriously B12 deficient. You simply can't get it. There's no, there's no significant sources outside of animal protein. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's also issues with iron and zinc. Zinc's much better absorbed um, through animal animal protein that is for plant protein so there's very commonly zinc deficiencies uh and and there's a couple of amino acids that are better absorbed as well so yeah it's a bit of an issue from that perspective and it's, it's you know what i sort of support on that front is informed vegetarianism but there's not a lot of it out there yeah and what i see particularly with vegans because they're not they've got, they've got milk they've got no animal protein um, but there is there's just a whole bunch of deficiencies there almost always that really seriously impact their health, well-being, happiness and longevity. So it's, mm. it's, worth, it's worth knowing and understanding if you're going to go that route, that's all. Yes, yeah, absolutely, mate. And it can be, it can be neglected because of the connection with looking after, you know, animals, uh, I suppose. You know, people don't want to eat meat because they, uh, they, they, they're not aligned with eating, um, 
eating another being, I guess. But, uh, you know, there is uh, some impact, I suppose, with regards to that. What would you suggest with regards to people that are B12 deficient as far as supplementation? Well, that's the point, is that you've got to, you actually, the, the big thing is to take sublingual B12 because one of the other things that's not fully understood, uh, there's, a fact, there's a thing called intrinsic factor that governs the uptake of, B, of B12 um, by the gut so that can be utilised. Uh, and from, for some reason, and it's going to have something to do with our diet or chemicals in our diet or whatever, but for some reason, quite a large percentage of us don't have intrinsic factor, which means uh, the big, the secret to B12 supplementation is to take it under the tongue, which is mm. sublingual, or it's absorbed under the tongue. You hold the, 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 the lozenge under your tongue for a few minutes and you take it up that way so that you're not dependent upon a faulty gut, basically, to do the job. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So you need about a, th- th- a thousand micrograms of, of, of B12 on a daily basis is the kind of amount that you need to be taking. Mm. But the other key, the supplementation's just got a whole series of, of uh, secrets or understandings that are required to, to maximise the potential of it. And the big one with, with B vitamins is that they, you know, because basically we're supposed to get nutrition from food, and unfortunately that includes animal protein to get B12, but in all instances, food never comes with one B vitamin. It comes with the whole spectrum of 10 or 12 B vitamins. And that's because they're all required sort of composite to govern the uptake of each and every one of them. So B12 itself is only half effective as if, as if you take B12 with a B complex vitamin. And interestingly, there are three or four other B vitamins that are also quite strongly linked to anxiety and depression. So it's not really any harm to take a B complex. Yes. along with your B12, a sublingual B12, uh, on a daily basis. Mm, interesting. So you recommend a B-complex as well as a B12 supplement? You, take, you always take, if you're taking any uh, uh, complex, any uh, B12, then that's what you're quite... Interestingly, you know, in that context, uh, and it's quite an important thing to, to understand, is, is basically... Um, there's, there's three B vitamins that are, that are directly linked to neurotransmitter function and so forth. Um, and they're, they're called B, so B12 is one of them, but vitamin B6 is the other, and folic acid is the third. And they're, they're called methyl donors, uh, and they play this very, very significant role in neurotransmitter, um, how neurotransmitters basically work in your brain. Mm. So they're really, really important. And of course, if you're lacking them, you also have high levels of something called homocysteine, which is directly linked. Those metal donors recycle homocysteine. Homocysteine becomes the most destructive of all free radicals in our body if it builds up. And many, many people, if they have themselves tested with a blood test, find that they've got B12 deficiency. Sorry, they've got homocysteine excesses, uh, and that's related to a lack of those three things. So we mentioned B12, B6. Why would you lack B6? Because it's the stress vitamin. It's the, it's the vitamin that's sucked uh, most dramatically whenever you're stressed and anxious, and most of us are stressed and anxious. We've created this bizarre world where if you uh, look at, you know, what's the meaning of happiness, of, of life, basically, it's peace and happiness, and the opposite of peace and happiness is stress and anxiety, and yet you can ask, I can ask crowds, sometimes as many as 2,000 people in somewhere like India, but ask crowds all over the world who can say, amongst you that you're not feeling stress and anxiety on a regular basis you'd rather not feel who can tell me they're stress-free and there's no hands no one even turns around to see if a hand goes up because mm-hmm. they know there's not going to be any and that's the ludicrous scenario that we've created where we've created a world where stress and anxiety are endemic and they're the opposite of what we're here for which is peace and happiness Absolutely. so it's something that 
dramatically needs to be addressed. But when you're stressed and anxious, you suck B6. We've already mentioned why you might be lacking B12 because you haven't got the building block called cobalt material grains. And folic acid's in the outer parts of it, and that's why whole food is of so much more value than processed food. So you take uh, wholemeal bread and you convert that to white bread, you lose 80% of the folic acid. Uh, same deal if you're eating, say, peeled potatoes rather than potatoes with the peel on or not eating apple peel, whatever. It's, it's in the outer part. Brown rice has, has got far, far more. In fact, there's no folic acid on white rice. So, uh, so, so many of us, because of the processed food, are lacking folic acid. Mm. And the three of them together means you'll have high homocysteine and you'll have poor neurotransmitter function and you're going to have, you're going to have a likelihood for more anxiety and depression. So it's yes. really worth looking at that. Yeah, absolutely well said, mate. And it's, it's tremendous to hear you sort of uh, giving us such a, you know, a, a detailed explanation around this and a simple explanation around this. Um, because no, yeah. well, from, well, I think that that aspect of, of the very first thing that you should be looking at if you're feeling anxious and distressed is the physical. It's obviously there's all sorts of things that can be happening in your life that may have created that scenario, but you're going to be far more susceptible and have a you know a much harsher journey if some of these basic things are not in place. And, the, and probably the most important of those things that you need to have in place. Uh, there's about four or five of them, but the most important probably is magnesium deficiency because 79% of us are deficient in magnesium. Now, basically, what we were designed with is a thing called the flight or fight response where you walked out of your cave back in the day and there was a saber-toothed tiger there and 32 changes happened in your body. Uh, of course, one of them is the huge spike in adrenaline, which means you fight the hardest you ever fought or run the fastest you ever ran. Uh, and my, neither of which were very successful against the saber tooth, but at least you had a go at it. Um, but, but the bottom line was that we haven't, you know, that flight or fight response didn't adapt yet. We, have, we haven't lost it. And so everyone that can't put their hand up and say they're stress free are suffering varying degrees of the flight or fight response. And the thing to understand about that response is that all 32 of those change are, are based that require magnesium. So if you're stressed and anxious, you're sucking magnesium. And as you suck magnesium, you're going to feel more stressed and anxious, so you suck more magnesium. And the end outcome often is actually a stroke is the most common outcome from prolonged or chronic magnesium deficiency. And most of us uh, fall into that category. So the first thing you do is look at, okay, how can I correct my magnesium? And unfortunately, if you've been deficient for a while, uh, you know, more than a couple of years, then one of the side effects of that deficiency is that you can't absorb it or it's very poor absorption through the gut lining because the side effect of magnesium deficiency is that you can no longer take magnesium by the gut and that's why the secret in that instance is transdermal magnesium which means you suck it up through the skin mm. and the simplest simplest and, and most cost effective way to do that is to hop into an Epsom salts bath so you buy yourself you go down to the rural store buy yourself a 20 kilo bag of magnesium for 12 bucks or whatever it costs two cups which is half a kilo into a bath of hot water for 40 minutes and you might need to do that twice a week for at least uh, at least a month, and then you can just do it once a week and just keep your magnesium up there. But it's mm. it's game changing for a lot of people. I mean, when you you can only do that bath at night before bed because you feel so cruisy and relaxed. Well, that's how you're supposed to feel. You know, yes. that's what magnesium gives you an indication of what it does in terms of stress reduction. Um, so yeah, that's a really, really good structure, and it's a really important thing for people to look at first off. You know, look at the building blocks to make sure that, that what's happening to you, it might be 
you know, you might see it as your root cause, but you're feeling much worse than what you'd otherwise feel mm. if you don't have some of the some of this nutritional focus taken care of. Mm. Amazing. So, so so much better taking in magnesium through the body than through oral. Far, far better because of the simple fact that the side effect of, of magnesium deficiency is you can't take it up through the gut anymore, through the gut lining. So mm. you, you really, you've really got no choice but to either have it injected, you can have intravenous magnesium, or you can have intramuscular injections of magnesium. But the simplest and, mo- and least painful way uh, is to just hop into a bath of Epsom salts, as I say, for 40 minutes, even 30 minutes, with two cups is the message, two cups of, of magnesium sulfate in that bath. Mm. Uh, and that gives that gives a beautiful uptake. Mm. The other really important thing for basically for you know because we're, we're talking about malfunction of neurotransmitters when we're anxious and depressed, and for for, for building receptor sites for neuro, neurotransmitter and for neurotransmitter reception, the big other thing that we're lacking is omega three fatty acids. Now, mm. uh, basically, you know, at the ratio, I'll just explain every every disease, including. Uh, mental diseases have and have an inflammation link. So if you're going to start peeling the onion and try and get back to root causes, the obvious question is, well, what causes inflammation? Well, there are three or four root causes, but the most important of those causes relates to the omega-6 to omega-3 balance or ratio. Now, omega, so, so you've got what's called an inflammatory cascade, that you cut yourself and it gets a bit sore and a bit pussy, and that's the first stage of a two-stage process, and that the, the little neurotransmitters, the little um, proteins, uh, things like prostaglandin, the thromboxanes, are made that drive that inflammation. Are made from omega six, and then hopefully the anti-inflammation stage kicks in, and that's little little protein messengers that are built from omega omega three. And the ratio between those two in a healthy human being should be two parts omega six to one part omega three. The average ratio in Australia is 21 parts omega-3, uh, omega-6 to one part omega So you've actually got 10 times more inflammation builders than you have got the, infla- the anti-inflammation sort of countering effect. So many of us have got all forms of sometimes visible things like arthritis, but then it's linked to everything, to cancer, to diabetes, to Alzheimer's. All of those things have this very strong inflammatory link. Mm. And that's a really important thing to address. I've got some naturopath and integrative doctor friends who have recently begun uh, testing. Uh, it's an $80, $80 plus GST test for omega, omega-3s, omega-6s, and a couple of other essential fatty acids and their ratios. And they're finding almost everyone is coming back with this really, really... I mean, I got myself tested, I thought, just recently, actually. I thought I'd just check when I heard about this test. And I was 21 to 1. Uh, so even people, it turned out that even some of these uh, these sort of informed nutritionists and doctors and so forth who have been taking decent amounts of fish oil and stuff, even they were coming back at 7 to 1 and 8 to 1 instead of 2 to 1. Mm. And when they looked into it, the finding is that um, basically omega-3 uptake is dramatically improved when you have polyphenols combined with omega-3. So polyphenols are what you find in things like you know, green tea and grapeseed extract and so forth. Mm. Um, as are in apples, in very high levels in the apple skin, for example. But but basically they come from algae that is part of the fish oil, but when they um, screen and process fish oil, they remove that algae component. They're actually trying to remove mercury out of the equation, but in the process they take out the algae component. So that's why 
even some people when they're supplementing with, with omega-3, when they're supplementing with fish oil, are not actually absorbing it very well because we've, we've bastardized and messed with that original fish oil in the processing. So, so the secret to that is that you take your fish oil and the key, the most effective way to do that is to take a tablespoon of cod liver oil on a, day, on a daily basis. Now that might give you a sort of a fishy uh, reflux for a couple of hours. So to avoid that, you squeeze the lemon juice, uh, the juice from lemon into that tablespoon of cod liver oil uh, and that neutralizes. So you, you can barely taste the fish flavor and you never get the refluxes. So that's just a little secret for taking uh, really, and, and, and a tablespoon of cod liver oil is equivalent to 10 jaw capsules. So now you can really address your omega six, your poor omega six to omega three ratio, and try and lift your omega three uptake. Mm. Australia, a while back on the ABC, they did an interview with Australia's oldest living man at that point. He was 106, and they said, "Well, what's your secret? You know, you've got a small acreage, you're still jumping gates, you've never been to a doctor in your life, and you've got perfect cognition." What do you consider your secret? He said, it's very simple. Tablespoon of cod liver oil since I was 10 years old, right up to now when I'm 106 years old. So, really? um, yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's massively important when you, when you look at its multiple roles. And one of those multiple roles, as I mentioned, is this whole transmission of neurotransmitters and the building of receptor sites as omega-3 dependent. We're all lacking it. So huge, uh, huge reason to address that. Drop all your omega-6s, and what are your omega-6s? Well, gra grain-fed beef is one of them, because grains are filled with omega-6. Sunflower, safflower, canola, grapeseed oil are all dominated completely by omega-6, they're garbage oils that we shouldn't be cooking with. Mm. And then you might say, what can I cook with? Well, you can cook with butter is actually a damn sight better, or you can cook with coconut oil, which is an amazing cooking oil. Uh, you can use macadamia oil, um, uh, avocado oil, even olive oil for a short time. Olive oil's got a, a low smoke point, so you can damage it quite easily if you're cooking with it. But mm. uh, yeah, so it's a case of even even lard. I mean, it's not just you because you're vegetarian, but lard is actually far healthier than these junk fishing, these junk oils. Yes. So you, you've you've got basically you've got your body rebuilding itself constantly. Cells are regenerating. It's just this amazing. Uh, you know, they all vary in the time that they take to replace themselves, but gut cells are every four days, uh, blood cells are every every month, and, 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 and bone cells are every 12 months, but you're constantly rebuilding your body. But part of that rebuilding is this phospholipid uh, membrane in the cells that comes from the fats that you're eating. When you're eating these damaged uh, vegetable oils, these, these partially hydrogenated damaged oils, you know, you're affecting every one of your 10 trillion cells. It's really, really serious thing mm. we're doing. But, you know, if you look at vegetable oils, those junk oils, they're everything. There's nothing you can buy or eat almost if you look at the ingredients that doesn't have, I don't know why, but they put it in everything. Can see, well, obviously all the processed food, even all the breakfast cereals have got the vegetable oils added into them. Mm. So it's just one of those dietary things that you need to sort of address to get rid of that, that oil component. But, bring, but dropping the omega-6s, uh, so it's the grain-fed beef is one of them. Uh, Grass-fed beef is infinitely superior to eating meat, um, but basically just dropping the omega-6s and bringing in the omega-3s and improving that ratio, but combining polyphenols with the omega-3s. So you can buy grapeseed extract and go to iHerbs and buy up to 20 bucks a bottle or whatever. Mm. Uh, that's a good one. I mean, you can buy, uh, it's called EPCG or something, it's a green tea extract. You can buy as another really good one. Um, there's also... Um, there's, there's a couple of others, and, and um, casein is probably as good as there was three studies or four studies on casein as an addition to fish oil, 
and casetin is really good because it's anti-COVID. There's quite there's a whole number of papers showing it can reduce your your damage from COVID. So so yeah, there's a few things, a few options there. Mm, amazing, mate. So why is it that uh, that we're 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 driven so much junk food out there, which is full of rubbish? Yeah, I mean, it's a, a part of its convenience, but also part of its the addictive nature of that um, of that of that food. I mean, the two most addictive substances will, will basically, you know, um, sugar is super addictive. I mean, it's we, we used to consume five kilograms of sugar um, per person per year in 1900, and now it's 75 kilograms per person per year. And sugar is one of our largest killers. But it's also super addictive. I mean, some, some would suggest that a sugar addiction is more powerful than heroin or cocaine or cigarettes or alcohol. And I certainly know because I, I have a meal and I want something sweet straight after it. So there's an addiction there that you've got to manage. Um, but, you know, it's it's part of what drives our consumption of, of, uh, of junk foods, basically, is almost everything's got sugar added to it now. And that's just like, you know, you've hooked them, now you keep them hooked as part of the model. Unhealthy people are good for the economy, do you think? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know because you've got the health health equation. It's not a good story when you start looking at the, the the cost to the health development. I mean, the other quick, just quickly touching upon the other nutrients that I think we all should look at. Vitamin D. You think, well, what's the problem with vitamin D? You know, it's the sunshine vitamin. If we're talking farmers, but if we're talking anyone in Queensland, you would think, well, there's no issue. We're getting enough vitamin D, surely. Um, well, it's not the case. A, a, a Queensland uh, government survey about six years ago showed that 74% of us were deficient in vitamin D. Now, you need to have these, uh, these you need to be over 50, I can't remember if it's micromoles per whatever, but the figure is 50 and most of us are, are 20 and below. And the findings just, again, with COVID and vitamin D, because vitamin D is not, a, not actually a vitamin, it's a hormone, we misnamed it, but it's too late to change the name now. But basically the findings are that if you're in that 20 group, you've got, well, if, you, if you're 50 rather than 20, you've got half the likelihood of actually catching COVID, you've got seven times less likely of being hospitalised, and you've got seven times less likely to die from it. So it's massive. It's just a simple little sunshine vitamin that most of us, to get enough of it, you need nine minutes with all your clothes off and between 10 and 2 every day of the week uh, for your body to make enough vitamin D. And no one who takes all their clothes off and exposes their entire skin to, or, you know, even down to your undies or whatever, but who exposes their whole skin to both. So many of us are deficient in the extreme version of that deficiency. Just go to Europe and see how they are. My son's in Berlin. He said everyone's walking around with long faces and depressed and their suicide rate goes up at winter and that's called SAD or C appropriately called SAD, which is seasonal affective disorder and that's yeah. totally based upon a lack of vitamin D makes you anxious and depressed. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, so that's a really big one. And then we think, well, Queensland, no problem. Well, there is a problem and we all need to be looking at, uh, you know, probably 5,000 micrograms of... Uh, I use, sorry, of, 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 of vitamin D on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Nope. Oh, sorry, well, we're, we're, we're in amongst, at the moment, uh, a cold weather snap, so there's going to be some mood uh, transitions around that too. So there's got to be some uh, some awareness around that, but also, you know, if you're an employer, making sure that uh, you understand that your staff might not, be, might not be as buoyant as usual uh, because of the, you know, the, the effect the weather's having on them. Yeah, it's true because it's happening. But I mean, again, if you've got those those things in place, 
those external influences are going to have less of that negative effect. I mean, the, the amino acid's another story. The amino acid that's, that's most linked to anxiety and depression is called tryptophan. And you used to be able to, it's just an amino acid, you used to be able to buy that across the counter, uh, you know, just a few short years ago. But then the Japanese d uh, developed an, a, a genetically modified form of it that killed a bunch of people and made a lot more people sick. And so Australia banned tryptophan some years back, and they've never. And of course, that was they dumped the GM version of it. It's just an amino acid, and, and but you can't get it uh, readily. But you can get it on sites like um, like iHerbs and so forth. You can you can buy tryptophan now. So uh, tryptophan is 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 you know it's the building block for serotonin, and serotonin, of course, is the feel-good hormone. That a lack of serotonin is one of the primary root causes of of um, of depression. So uh, you know it's it's a it's, it's a certainly you, you, that the kind of figures that you take if you for maintenance is one gram of tryptophan, a thousand milligrams of, of tryptophan per day. But if you're actually feeling anxious and depressed, you're up that rate to three grams or three thousand milligrams of tryptophan on a daily basis. Mm. So you, that if you want a food source of tryptophan, it won't suit you again because you're you're, you're not eating meat. But the highest source by far of tryptophan is turkey meat. And, and basically, if you, if you, because tryptophan also helps you sleep, and sleeping well is a huge protective mechanism against anxiety and depression, and mm -hmm. so many people have sleep disorders. Well, tryptophan, because it makes you relax and makes you sleep, it should be taken at night. But if you want a food source of it, then you take a slice of turkey breast, probably is the highest source, a slice of turkey breast, and with that you take a cup of berries, you have some strawberries or something in the fridge, and you take three or four berries because there's a substance of berries that increases the blood, the crossing of tryptophan across the blood-brain barrier to get it up to your brain sort of thing, and then it converts to serotonin and melatonin, and melatonin, of course, is what makes you sleep. So, mm. um, so yeah, so it's just a, it's just understanding those the basics of nutrition, getting that right, and then you find that what was stressing you previously doesn't stress you as much, and that's a pretty good move forward. Mm, absolutely, proactive than reactive, I guess. Having that awareness now is really important. Feel like if people are feeling out of whack, which I have been a little bit lately, like you've given me some. Um, some good uh, knowledge and information on what I might be missing myself uh, primarily too, which I'm going to maybe look at addressing. Uh, but my yeah. diet's pretty much been the same for, for years, you know. There's lots of things I'm probably missing out on. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'll be really quite confident of it. Mm. Um, there, there are other sort of simple health strategies, and one of them involves something called autophagy. So have you, have you ever heard of autophagy before? No, I haven't, no. So, so it means so these things are all on my. You know, I've got this podcast called the Nutrition Farming Podcast, which has got hundreds of thousands of listeners now. But I do a human health segment, mm -hmm. and one of the most popular I've ever done was the human health segment on autophagy because so many people started doing it, and so many people then wrote in and said, "Oh my God, my life's changed." Mm -hmm. um, but just quickly, autophagy is a natural process where auto means self and phagy means eat, where basically. It's a cell cleansing process where any tired or worn out cells, or in the case of diseases like Alzheimer's, um, you get these things called amyloid plaques that form in your brain. Well, autophagy is a self cleansing process to get rid of those, but it only happens at 14 hours without food. 
uh, and that's the thing. So, so how you create and generate autophagy in your body is that you do this 16-8 fasting concept. And all that involves is you have your last meal of the day at 6.30 in the evening. You can have whatever you want, a glass of wine or something, water or beer or whatever, but then you can't have anything else. You can have a straight tea with no milk or sugar in it, like a herbal tea or an ordinary tea or black coffee, but you can't have any anything else until 10.30 the next morning. Mm-hmm. So 14 hours is 8.30, and those next two hours are absolutely critical because that's the time that that self-cleansing process kicks in, including protection from Alzheimer's, and really, really well-researched for that purpose. So if you can last longer, you know, often a, cu- a cup of black coffee in the morning with no sugar, no milk, because that breaks the whole thing. As soon as you have any carbohydrates or any fats, that's all over. Mm. It doesn't kick in and it doesn't happen. So, but if you can, if you find the coffee sort of keeps you going and you go to 11, well then you've got 11.30, then you've got three hours instead of two. But at 11 or 10.30 normally, that's this called 16-8 fasting, uh, at 10.30 you can have what you like, you know, bacon and eggs, or not in your case, but eggs and, mm. and, and whatever. You can have a really nice breakfast, avocado and sourdough with some eggs on it and some mushrooms or whatever you want, um, you can have a real decent breakfast uh, and, 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 you know, you've actually, it's good from a dieting perspective because you skip, skip, a, di- skip a meal effectively, mm. but, but from an autophagy perspective, it can be life-changing. You just get this clarity and this energy and, uh, and it's really good for brain health and mental wellness. So mm. something to keep in mind. Intermittent fasting and, uh, yeah, the power around that when the body, I know when I've fasted for 24 hours, just how much energy I've actually got. Yeah. You know, I yeah. only, only had a bit well, of that's water. Just, yeah, go ahead. Well, see, so when you're fasting, there's a process called the refeeding process where a lot of the action happens during that period, which is when you first start eating again. Well, normally when you fast, you do a 10-day water fast. It's pretty harsh. I mean, often mm. you'll have migraine headaches and vomit and things during that period. It's kind of a cleansing period, but it's pretty hard going. And, of course, you've got like a lot of willpower to go 10 days just drinking water. Um, but you only have one refeeding phase. One of those really important is because you've had 10 days, now you have refeeding. Well, when you do this intermittent fasting, you do that every day. Every day, I mean, breakfast, the word means break fast. Yes. You're supposed to have that fast overnight, and the finding now scientifically is that fast should be 16 hours. So that's why 6.30 in the evening, you don't start again until 10.30. You can eat what you like when you eat, but you've got to eat nothing during that period except for liquids, but nothing with sugar or milk or anything in it. Mm-hmm. Amazing, mate. Yeah, that's it, re- good... it really is. And, and look, you think about it like breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, all that sort of stuff. My, my dad, I talk about him being in a nursing home, how they're being overfed. His mental health's declined significantly since he's been in that environment, you know. And uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I just think there's there's so much wisdom to learn, uh, you know, from from this sort of science rather than just the comfort. No, it's exactly it's exactly the case. And um, yeah, there's. I mean, even if you look at the link between, we sort of touched upon the link between soil health and human health, but there's another link there, and it's interesting. I've got no science other than huge numbers of anecdotal examples of it but the deal is that the finding now is that that basically um, the smell that comes from 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 a healthy soil you know that lovely healthy soil smell it actually comes from a group of organisms called actinomycetes that release um, volatile chemicals that give that nice healthy smell but actinomycetes are considered to be signpost creatures that basically they're there the rest of your soil food web the rest of your soil health is, is buzzing uh, because if they're not there, the whole thing falls apart. Mm. So, so that smell is a real indication. Really, 
you can tell they've got a soilless block of smell in it. You can go to the worst block on any farm and smell it, go to the best block, and you will notice this huge difference in the smell of that soil, because what you're smelling is uh, that signpost creature called Actinomyces. But the finding, interesting finding, is a relative that was not new, it's been discovered about seven or eight years ago, is that uh, basically that smell uh, produces serotonin. It's that you're supposed to actually be smelling that. You know, in the natural scheme of things, you were supposed to be out there for one thing, liaising with nature, which is what well, most farmers do, but many pe many other people don't have enough time in nature. Uh, and so, you know, that's a whole thing. It's a whole science now called biophilia, our inherent, absolute, essential requirement for that connection with nature, which so many of us have lost. Um, so. So basically, we were supposed to smell in the scheme of things. We were supposed to smell a healthy soil. Well, most people haven't smelled a healthy soil farming conventionally. They haven't smelled a healthy soil for a lot of years. And of course, farmers have got the highest. It's three times higher uh, suicide rate and almost four times higher. Uh, sorry, three times higher depression rate and almost four times higher suicide, suicide rate than the next closest um, profession. And the next closest profession, interestingly, is dentists. And the link there, of course, is mercury, because mercury is a major depressant, and they're working with mercury and men still you know, drilling out mercury fillings and so forth. Um, so, and that's something, of course, to be aware of. Um, again, in terms of simple things that you can check, if you're feeling uh, if you're feeling depressed, is that if you've got a mouthful of mercury fillings, you probably need to, you know, amalgam is 50% mercury, and, and the World Health Organization told us. Uh, four years back, that if you've, you, you're outgassing between 3 and 17 micrograms of what's called methyl mercury on a daily basis, depending on whether you've got one filling or 10. Mm. So it's 3 to 17, depending on the number of fillings you've got. And there's no safe dose. Mercury is the single most toxic substance known to mankind. There's no known safe dose of it. Mm. So it's not doing you a lot of good because most of it goes to the brain once you, once you uptake that methyl mercury. So again, that's another thing you're going to look at is you know, have I got a mouthful of mercury fillings that I probably need to get rid of? Yes. There's another one of the one of the things that you'd consider in that story. Mm, interesting, mate. Geez, it's, uh, it's such an enlightening conversation. I'm, I'm sure we could go on for hours with regards to this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, I, I, what I'd like to do is encourage people that are listening to maybe, maybe reach out to you or reach out to, you know, the podcast that you do and some of the work you do yeah. for, for some more information. What, what, what's the best way to do that? Well, if you Google um, the Nutrition Farming podcast, you'll see it. There's, there's been three years of them now, and uh, particularly the more recent ones, there's real substantial segments on, on human health. There's six parts to the podcast, and one of them is the human health story in depth. I mean, there's a lot of my, I, I, you know, when I'm, taught, when I'm usually lecturing, I, I, I've got a fairly ribald kind of larrikin, Aussie sense of humour, so I always tell a few jokes, some of which are, you know, if, you're, if you're sensitive, you probably better not listen to them, but, um, you know, they're politically incorrect totally, but they are included, and they become really popular. People learn them and tell them at the pubs and things, so there's always four or five jokes or three or four jokes on each one of the podcasts. Mm. But there's hundreds of thousands of views. It's become like a phenomenon in some countries now. So, yeah, you just all you've got to do, Google this, a nutrition farming podcast, and you'll find it. Yeah, awesome, mate. Uh, yeah, 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 look, I'll encourage people to do that, and there's one guy I'm thinking of right now which would be really uh, interested in this. So, um, you know, for me too, as an individual living uh, in a residential environment rather than a, you know, a, a, an acreage or a farming environment has been difficult for me because I've been, I've been able to grow my own stuff and see where it's coming from uh, primarily. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the more we can start to get back to that and 
you know, disempower the uh, the supermarkets because that's what happened. I've observed over my life, like how how people grew stuff that was sort of transitioned into the green growth and then into the supermarket. We've actually lost connection yeah. with uh, with the way that nature, um, you know, is trying to look after us. I guess you know we just become we we we've sort of become reliant on convenience rather than um, you know connection. I suppose at the end of the day. Yeah, and that that gardening thing is just. Uh, huge. We have a whole separate um, website called nutritiongardening.com.au mm. and that sort of covers the whole story of how you produce food with forgotten flavours and extended shelf life and, and greater nutritional value and, and additional qualities and so forth. Uh, and that's, there's lots of information. People go to that website or they can go to, to nutritech.com.au um, N-U-T-R-I hyphen T-E-C-H if they want to read any of my articles on all sorts of things because I've, I write, I write hundreds of articles so mm-hmm. yeah I, I'm sort of, they, they call it talk, they call it drinking from the fire hose when you hear me talking because I've just got so much information yeah. that I just pour out and you just got to hang in there to try and capture as much as you can oh mate the world is a better place for someone like you to be out there you know sharing your wisdom and knowledge and hopefully that sort of snowballs and inspires others to make some changes and that you know that that physical aspect can really have a a profound effect on our on our mental well-being and you know we've just got this um this responsive reactive approach this is a really proactive um you know way of living you're you're providing here so i really encourage people to check out the work you do that's for sure well thanks for that Aaron. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's not like it's a sacrifice to do the work. It's it's, it's tremendously satisfying when you see people get inspired and make changes in their own health or on their, on their farm. And it's it's just you couldn't do anything more rewarding. It's like it's like a gift to be able to, to share it basically. So yeah, it's not uh, it's not hard to do. It's great fun. Mm, appreciate it, mate. Thank you very much for the chat. And I'm sure uh, we may have some more in the future with a bit of luck. And I'll be uh, definitely checking out your work. Good. Thanks, mate. Nice talking to you.